Ladies and gentlemen, 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 gentlemen. you are now listening to the P13 Podcast. All right, welcome back to the P13 Podcast. Another podcast coming out to you all on this Tuesday, or at least when it comes out, whenever you listen to it. We want to say thank you to everyone who's listening. And again, you can keep the conversation going on our Instagram at Project13Gyms. Leave us a line. Leave us a question. Maybe that question turns into a podcast. Who knows? But you have the opportunity to stay in communication with us. Alongside with me, it is the other half, the uh, man with the... Uh, Natalie Portman sty- styled hair or type hair like. I was trying to find. We do have a similar color of hair. You do. You do. That is the I'll one. I'll take that as a compliment. It is a very. It, it, it's a, it, hair. It's in high regard. Yeah. Uh, it is the uh, one and only Mr. Thomas Conway. Hello. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you liking this hair reference for season two? So far, so good. I feel like there's going to be more. I feel like we ran out of a lot of R&B singers after a, a while because... We did. There's a lot of people with good hair. There is a lot of people with good hair. Both male, Myself female. included. You're, yourself included. It's the, it's the <laughs> lion's mane. Everything in between, you know. Um, but yeah, this is, again, if you heard our last podcast, a little little season change here because of our our... Unfortunate miss on the uh, streak, but we can start a new one. We can start a new one again. That moving one, forward, moving forward with it. Never look back. Yeah, never look back. You can never no take regrets. It, no regrets. You ever seen that commercial? I have. <laughs> also, have you seen We're the Millers? I have. I haven't seen it. Regrets. <laughs> regrets. No regrets. Not a single letter. <laughs> oh my god! Hmm. I haven't seen that movie in a while. It's a good one. Oh, oh! Here, here's a little uh, question for the audience. Uh, and I know we've kind of used this question in previous podcasts. If you have been listening to the podcast, um, it is the Interstellar, Inter- Inception, or the Dark Knight uh, trilogy. If you had to choose, well, I guess maybe maybe not the trilogy. Let's choose the Dark Knight Rises as the movie. It's an interesting choice. Well, it's a Christopher Nolan choice. No, I know, oh, I but see, I see. of the three, of to the choose three? that one. Some people would say The Dark Knight was the better one. Mm, that's true. Okay, so let's use The Dark Knight. Like it goes Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises, Batman Begins in order of quality. I mean... That's that's fair. That's that's what I've seen. That's Okay, so then let's, let's reframe this question. Of course, question. there's opinion. Inception, Interstellar, or The Dark Knight? The audience, you can chime in on our Instagram and give us a poll of where do you lie on the Christopher Nolan movies yeah I think as I've rewatched Interstellar which I'm doing recently which you and I just talked about <laughs> uh by myself um <laughs> mind-blowing I've kind of de- yeah I've kind of determined that I think that one it's tough when you bring Batman into the equation if you were just going to go Inception Interstellar I would choose interstellar although i think previously i would have chosen inception Mm. but i think i think now i would choose interstellar there's just something about that movie and the way it gets you thinking and i also think the idea of space and like time space is pretty fascinating to me (laughs) 
It's a and, cool concept. And Matt da- Matt Damon as a villain. Matt Damon. <laughs> he is a villain, I guess. Yeah, you yeah. you don't think so initially, and then he turns into one. Yeah. But I selfish, guess you got to get off that selfish planet. Selfish son somehow. of a bitch. Somehow. somehow. Yeah. Um. But unlike that, uh, life, you know, it is serious, but. You can't forget to have a little fun, which leads us into the topic for today. Maybe that means buying yourself something nice, taking that vacation you always dreamed of. Treat oh. yourself. Treat yourself. Oh, yeah. Good, good show, too. <laughs> or in our case as fitness enthusiasts, the word play. Play, as defined by Google, is the engagement in activity for enjoyment and recreation rather than a serious or practical purpose. In fitness, that could be a various amount of things, you know, could be joining jiu-jitsu, playing basketball, or doing parkour like Michael Scott, Dwight Schrute, and Andy Bernard do in the office, like <laughs> just for pure enjoyment, and fall right into the empty fridge box. Empty fridge box. <laughs> <laughs> Again, like we said, it's done for pure enjoyment, and, but it may serve, unlike the other half of that definition, some of this play may serve a practical purpose of some sort, which is where we will start this conversation. Why is play important? Yeah, so play is, we'll kind of take a few different approaches to the conversation. I think it's pretty clearly understood that play is very important for developing children, right? Mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll, this conversation will lead into play as adults and, and how it can impact us as well. But so in terms of early development, and I'm sure some of this well, may not apply to adults, but because we're, our structures anatomically are mostly developed. Uh, but for early life development, it's been shown that play increases the size of the prefrontal cortex. That area of the brain is responsible for basically like the ability to plan, solve problems, and regulate and identify emotions. All of those things are things that improve our ability to be social Mm -hmm. which you know obviously in life and as humans is very important like arguably that's why we became the species apex species Ah. Ooh, nice of the nice touch touch. of of this day and age you know like if you've ever read the book uh sapiens um i recommend it uh by yuval noah harari um I think I pronounced that right, but it's a pretty fascinating book. And it talks about basically how we got to where we are as a species. In that book, he talks about how we were never the most like dominant species physically from like an individual perspective, right? Lions were always stronger than us and, and, you know, could easily take down a human bears, you know, any other predator that you would think of was more physically dominant. I mean, gorillas, you know, Mm. whatever. But it was our ability to band together as a unit uh, that basically made us not just survive, but thrive. Mm -hmm. And a big part of it was our ability to coordinate, plan. So like our ancestors from a hunting perspective would be able to develop plans about, you know, how to flank a prey or whatever it was with a group of 10 humans. Yeah. If that, I mean, yeah, I guess that did happen. It happened. Um, So it's that like, and and all of that meant that you had to be social. And also too, like, if you look at history as well, you know, the most powerful humans were not always the most like physically powerful humans. They Mm -hmm. were 
the humans that had the best ability to strategize strategize and like persuade people and Mm -hmm. you know stuff like that and i'm sure that's how a lot of tribal leaders were right they had a lot of charisma and things like that so all those all those elements or all those behaviors associated with the prefrontal cortex are related to social dynamics and communication but then it also play also increases the secretion of bdnf which is brain derived neurotrophic factor which is essential for the growth of brain cells Mm. right so you're just talking about just the development of the brain as a whole but yeah then from a more like practical non-scientific perspective and it would it would make sense kind of talking about the factors we just talked about related to social development but you can think about times that you've played games with others and it often opens up like all the people involved in the game Mm -hmm. right Mm it's like you know you start having more easy conversation you start having fun you start laughing you know like all that stuff and it's develop emotional relationships exactly yeah so you may become closer with those people and and maybe that's why icebreakers are a thing Mm -hmm. we all remember like first (laughs) days at work or first days at school and uh you know you'd start off with an icebreaker and I think it's because by having people participate in some sort of game, you know, it, it also might too kind of take their mind off of the thought of like when people are in a new place, they're like, I got to fit in. I got to fit in. Anxiety you know, I want people builds, to like yeah. me. Yeah. So maybe it's that too. It like takes your mind off of that thought. And instead you get focused and lost in this game. And before you know it, you're like, chatting it up with the person right next to you that's on your team or that you're playing the game with or maybe you're playing heads up seven up as an icebreaker and you're trying to figure out no wait that doesn't really count that doesn't really isn't that where you put your head down yeah and you put your thumbs up (laughs) yeah Yeah. and then you wait for someone to smash your thumb yeah (laughs) and then you're supposed to guess who yeah was right yeah yeah that was a fun one that was a pretty fun one yeah nice solid icebreaker but then if you like had a crush on a girl and she didn't choose you and you'd be like oh oh she doesn't like me Damn it. <laughs> so you just talked about how the play and development in the brain works. How about with more of the, uh, I guess, more outer physical sense, such as like skill learning and skill development? How does that all play out? Ooh, with play. good pun there. That was a pun, right? Uh, unintentionally, but intentionally. Okay. I'm terrible at like grammatic terminology. <laughs> um, yeah, so... You know, I think that ultimately what play does in in addition to the things that I just kind of mentioned with planning, problem solving, and the emotional impact, I think play also makes people better at learning kind of anything. Mm. And so quick little note about that, like, you know, you may have heard in the past, like, or maybe you described yourself as this you know, I'm a quick learner or whatever. And I think people oftentimes assume or think that that's like, uh, inherent or uh, maybe that's not, that's not the right terminology. Uh, Uh, yeah. Inherited inherited. is what I meant to say. God, like either you, yeah, I'm a God given given quick learner. (laughs) Um, like you either are a quick learner or you're not right. But the reality is just like most things in life, like this Mm -hmm. is what I've discovered. Most things in life are skills that can be refined 
that can be developed, mm -hmm. even if you're starting with a very small base of that thing that you're trying to do, right? It's just a matter of how much time you put into it. Cause if we think about ourselves as species and organisms, we are a constantly adapting organism. That's at our very base. That's what we are, right? We're potentially one of the most adaptable organisms in existence. Yeah. So whatever you give us or our bodies and our brains, like it, we will figure out how to do that thing better. Yeah. How much is dependent probably on how much time you spend doing it. But so again, like people either think that you're a quick learner or a slow learner, but learning is a skill. Mm -hmm. So if we think about that and what play kind of does more often than not, when you find yourself in play, a lot of times you're in my experience, at least you can find yourself experiencing or running into obstacles and challenges that you haven't experienced before, mm. especially if you're playing something that, well, if you're playing skedaddle, yeah, that's the new game in the gym, new game in the gym that Cal and I just invented the other day, <laughs> we're still developing the rule book. So, yes. um, it's a work in progress, but very fun though, you know, like, but that was a great example of, we just made that up. And so one, we're using our imagination Two, it requires us to do things or asks of us to do things that we haven't done before. Like we've thrown a ball before, but you know, but we haven't tried to throw a ball in these very specific shapes that we made. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then also too added the element of the rule of like, if you hit the rig post, you get, you can give minus five points bar. to your, to your opponent. Yeah. That happened multiple times. Yeah. I believe I got dialed in on that. So while the, the differences between again, throwing a tennis ball, just like in a field and throwing a tennis ball in a game of skedaddle, you like they're nuanced differences, but they are requiring your brain to look at throwing that tennis ball in a different way mm -hmm. with a different intention. And we talk a lot about intention in this podcast, but that's just another example, right? Mm -hmm. Every session of play that you do, if it's all those little nuanced differences that you can throw into the quote unquote game that you make is going to provide your body and more importantly, your brain with a challenge or an obstacle that you probably haven't experienced before or experienced that much. Mm -hmm. And I, I think we're probably going to, we're probably going to dive into this a little bit later, but just speaking on that, it's just like, if almost you've been training yourself one way, you're now forced to kind of work in a randomized kind of setting, like open and closed loop setting you don't be you, if you're doing the same stuff all the time yeah like if you're let's say if you're training as just like i'm gonna just do a like three rep max deadlift yeah but i'm constantly working in that closed loop system where i can only or i'm only i'm gonna use that loosely that term loosely i should say for this but yeah. like constantly just working in like a doing three work to get better at that yeah exactly yeah, yeah. but then I go play maybe basketball and yeah. now I'm forcing my body to move dynamically yeah. throughout uh, a certain, I don't know, open setting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a, well, and I think kind of too, kind of what you're explaining, at least the way I'm interpreting it is like, well, in the gym, oftentimes the setting is very controlled. Yeah. Right. If you're doing your deadlift training, you can control exactly what you do. You can control exactly how much you load. Mm -hmm. You can control exactly what you can control variations all, yeah. you do. 
Um, and there's never really any time in which you're going to be thrown a curveball, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Right. Whereas then when you go into a game of basketball, that's all it is. Yeah. It's a series of randomized, unpredictable situations mm-hmm. that you have to then adapt to. Which is, yeah, which is beneficial and it's good to have both, right? This isn't an argument for like just playing. It's an argument for, or a discussion around like incorporating play in some way. And, you know, and who knows too, like with the deadlift example, like maybe for some people playing for playing something or creating some sort of game for 10 minutes before you go into a deadlift session maybe that makes somebody better at deadlift. You know, again, we've talked about in the past, like my experience with deadlifting or some of the experiences I've had in the past with, um, you know, like tweaking my back, Mm -hmm. deadlifting or something like that. I mean, I'm pretty certain now one element of it is the psychological impact of those previous injuries that I had. So maybe for someone like me, 10 minutes of play before I go deadlift, could be just the thing I need to start to create a dissociation between deadlifting and back pain Mm. just by letting my mind get lost in the game that I'm playing um, instead of spending 10 minutes like maybe just like biking and being like I'm gonna deadlift like how's it gonna go I'm gonna you know yeah blah, blah blah whatever so they can be I think you know again that balance of controlled and uncontrolled I think is important in that introduction of play is one way in which people can do that. Mm, way real said. And it's funny because play, you often hear it as it's almost kind of sounds like a childish thing. And it's always associated with children, like horse playing or going out to recess. And it doesn't necessarily have to be like that, mm-hmm. but we do learn it at a a uh, a young age and that's kind of where we start a lot of these things and that leads us into the adult age am i right i've been talking to a lot of people about this topic recently um and i think part of it has to do with well a, yeah a big part of it is my son so he's now coming up on two years old which is crazy because when we started this podcast he was was he not born yet mm, uh, Ooh. You no, keep going. He I'm going to take no, a look. He, he, was born, he was born. But I think Because we started this podcast in April of 21. Yeah. Let me take a peek. Yeah, we started recording. Yeah. He he was born. But crazy. Time flies. Um, but wow. he was only like six months. Four months. He was like four months when he did our first recording, I think. So all you listeners have vicariously learned about Holger throughout his two years of life at the moment. Yeah. To it's going to be fun to have him listen to these when he's older. <laughs> he's um, like, what the He's like, fuck? Dad, you're such an idiot. <laughs> you know as he's grown and developed i've i just like am fascinated by the way he navigates through his environment and it's pretty interesting cuz kids that age like pretty much the entire time they're awake they're playing mm-hmm. like so they're almost in a constant state of play it comes in various forms mm-hmm. right some of it is more physical some of it is more experimental um, yeah, like experimental or like, um, you know, he does this thing where he is just like rolling his cars. Like he has these little toy cars, like Hot Wheels. Yeah. And he'll just like play on the end of our couch and just like roll them, you know. So, but he's he's thinking something, right? Yeah. And I don't know what it is. And, and he'll like line them up. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and interesting because my mom tells me that uh, I used to do that same thing at his age. I would like take all my cars and line them up like a super long line of all my Hot Wheels. I was going to make the poop reference on this one, but. <laughs> oh, how he played in his poop. <laughs> Shout out to uh, my wife, Ashley. Uh, Living on the edge. Funny side story. She likes to. She likes to push it in terms of having him not wear a diaper, which I think is good for him. You know, it's yeah. fine. Kids love to be naked, whatever. But um, the amount of times he's pooped with her, like outside of his diaper, is probably about three to four. The amount of times he's pooped with dad outside of his diaper, zero. Because Papa no. doesn't take a chance. <laughs> I don't want to clean that up. So we went back to... <laughs> Awkward segue, going back to the cars lining up. Yeah, so... <laughs> So yeah, but he's constantly playing and he's, you know, and so, but, but like every task as well is it's, yes, it's play, but you can see that it's problem solving. Mm -hmm. And I, I've actually, there's been a few examples of this recently where he like, it's really cool to see because he gets exposed to a new challenge and I can see him solve it in a span of like five to 10 minutes. So just yesterday we were at the playground and they have this little rock climbing wall kind of thing. And I held him up to it and kind of showed him the handholds. Mm-hmm. And initially he just was like, I don't even know what those are. And then he, you know, progressed to kind of grabbing one. And then I would like help and kind of lift him up. And then he would reach for another one. And then he understood how to put his feet on the handholds once he gets to a certain height. And then, and then he starts like actually climbing. Right. Mm. So and that was a skill that just 10 minutes ago he didn't have, right? And now he can do it. And now probably every time we go to the playground, he's going to want to do it, which is... Uh, That's pretty exciting to hear. Yeah, I mean, it's exciting, but it's see. exhausting. Oh, I bet. Because he climbs up now and someone has to be at the top to pull him up. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> That's where Papa, Papa Conley comes in. Yeah. Well, I mean, I have to lift him, so Ashley has to go up there. Um, <laughs> so then uh, transitioning from there, how does that transition to the adult life why does play normally stop that's an interesting conversation like you know i i think that as adults and someone who talks kind of a lot about this is uh ito portal for those of you that don't know who he is he's a movement practice teacher and he's like started this movement culture i guess you could call it he has a lot of like teachers that work under him. I actually worked trained with or practiced with one of his teachers for like almost two years. And he talks about like how as adults play is simply seen as juvenile. Mm-hmm. And that if you're, for example, if you're to go to an airport and when you're waiting for your flight, just like start playing, I don't know, like juggling tennis balls or something like that. People be like, what the heck is that person doing? That's weird. Or whatever or crawling right like people be like that's really weird it's like not socially acceptable the interesting thing though is that like what is acceptable as an adult is pretty um sad like it's acceptable to get hammered right yeah it's acceptable to be addicted to drugs and alcohol it's acceptable to be addicted to gambling so as adults it's acceptable to be to be addicted or abuse these all these other vices or play in other ways right that could be termed as adult play right Mm. like going out and getting hammered maybe maybe that's what's replacing play for adults and it's all these other forms of i guess maybe i don't know if it's expression but it's like 
you're filling a void yeah. is the way I look at it. You're filling a void and maybe that void is is that lack of enjoyment enjoyment and creativity and imagination and because I do think like when people just get lost in a play session, you tap into certain parts of your brain and you also I think release again like we talked about you you release like certain neurotransmitters and hormones and if you're playing a game with somebody and it's like funny and you like start laughing like that you know maybe there's release of oxytocin right or Mm -hmm. whatever could be associated with that you know we go to work we work hard and like everything is so serious um maybe that's what it is that people then need to resort to these other things to kind of fill that void and also get that escape you know what i mean that's what i think it kind of comes down to is Mm -hmm. people are trying to escape their everyday real world that's so serious which could be accomplished with play but again because it's seen as juvenile people don't think that's an option Mm -hmm. it's a sad sad world if that is the case and a mad mad world mad mad world according to gary jules oh good song so then how do we apply this to training how does play get applied to training in here so i'm going to give a shout out to a fellow soda boy um austin yokum he uses play very well and he's a young young cat um but he trains uh i think collegiate athletes uh, mostly and so he'll use play to kind of get people to or that his athletes to access more um in terms of in terms of their mind but also in terms of their body so like i've seen before he's done like like squat hockey where he sets up two mini hockey (laughs) nets with two mini hockey sticks and like you play one-on-one but you're in a squat i think that's great and so in terms of talking about developing hip mobility he's said he's been able to get people to like access more hip mobility just through that because again you get lost in the game Mm -hmm. and instead of being like oh you need to go down into a resting squat right and then people think of it as this objective task that's like oh i have to do it and and then of course if they think of it as an exercise they're like oh am i doing it properly yeah when really it's like well, i don't know just, just get into a squat like good, whatever <laughs> and again by creating a game you can shut off the you can shut that off because yeah. then they're like oh well like i don't care i'm just trying to win this game against this person so but in the meantime still serving a purpose right which is kind of well sorry to interrupt you on this is what i'm starting to find as we are talking about this a little more is the definition of play maybe it needs to be updated i would agree it has in some senses some purposes such as the the squat hockey reference you made yeah i mean so i think what it is is the prescriber of Mm -hmm. the play maybe has a purpose and an intention Mm -hmm. but the person or the people that you're getting to play should should approach it as purposeless yeah they should approach it as like just something that is just fun and enjoyment like because that is i think an element of play you're just doing it you're not doing it for any extrinsic reason you're only doing it for intrinsic enjoyment Mm -hmm. and that's kind of i think what makes play play Mm -hmm. right so then how have you been incorporating it a little bit more so i like kind of following uh austin yokum's lead i've uh i've used it for my warm-up so like the other day I set up like a few obstacles and just like crawled around the gym for about 10 minutes and like went up and down the obstacles. And again, like used my son as, as an example, yeah. cause recently he's been pulling himself up on things and I try to like 
pull myself up in ways that he kind of does, like mm. just using, I don't know. Your just, imagination. Yeah, yeah. You know, and like, <laughs> and like approaching it from like a problem solving perspective. Like how do I get up on this box if I'm just going to crawl over it? Yeah. Right. Which scared the shit out of me when I was editing the podcast when you're doing that. Cause I oh, heard- really? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did you just like look down and see me? Yeah. And I was like, what's going on down there? Like I heard a big <laughs> boom. So if you, if you know how the padded boxes are at our gym, they make a really loud sound. They do when you throw them down. Yeah. yeah. When you throw them down and like, even if you like, like lean it on one side and let it drop again. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. So I looked over and it was like, Whoa. I was throwing boxes around. Um, but yeah, so I'll use it for that. And, and what I've found is that really helps me transition. I mean, one physically, it gets me warmed up. Like, cause again, I just kind of get lost in it. And before I know it, I'm like pretty warm and like sweating and like, you know, if it's crawling, like my shoulders are pretty warm and feel good to then like do bench press or something. I don't know, but it really helps me transition mentally. And then I've also, this has been kind of a fun little thing. I've also <laughs> been, uh, doing it, uh, for people coming into the gym. So like, especially at the three forty-five class, if people show up early, um, I'll give them some sort of challenge to do. And it's really funny because, uh, people will get so into it. They will. Right. Because you're just like, Hey, see if you can do this thing. And they're like, okay. And they tried a few times and maybe they don't get it. And then they're like, I really want to get it. Um, and, uh, yeah. So like some people played skedaddle the other day (laughs) and that was fun. Um, and yeah, again, like just, you know, we brought our intern Julian and she started playing it with us and like I, her and I chatted about it later and she's like, yeah, I actually like found myself like sweating as we were playing that game, you know? And it's like, again, if at the very least it just makes you, helps you move more, you know, that's, or, or again, like makes you laugh. Like change some your people, mood. some people were like, when we were playing skedaddle with some of the three forty fivers, like some people thought it was pretty funny, you know? So yeah, there's just so many benefits to it. And I think people overlook it or dismiss it. And I really think we need to bring it back into our lives. I think it can help us in a lot of different ways that also too, we don't fully understand yet. And with that, Avoid the bullshit. Avoid the bullshit. Quick one. Thank you again for listening to the P13 podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Make sure you subscribe and leave us a five-star rating. This podcast was produced by Project 13 Gyms and a special thanks to Studio Pod Media for providing the studio space and additional production. Absolutely. You can find us on social media on Instagram at Project 13 Gyms. You can find myself at Kemifan. That is K-E-M-I-F-A-N. How about you, Thomas? Where can they find you on your social media? You can find me at Conway Bunga. That's C-O-N-W-A-Y. B-U-N-G-A. You can also check us out at project13gyms.com. And if you're in the SF area, come train with us at Project 13 Gyms in Lower Knob Hill.